Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. You honor us by finding us and listening in. We pray this sermon stirs up your love for Jesus and grows you in your faith. But before we begin, we ask that you not let this podcast, or any podcast for that matter, replace the local church in your life. You need to be a member of a local congregation and under the shepherding of that flock's pastor. So please become part of a local church if you aren't currently. If you'd like more information about our church, please go to www.mountzionchula.org. Enjoy our podcast. Turn me if you with me if you would to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, while you're turning there, I just want to say uh, thank you for uh, your support of the Mail Baptist Association. We're now uh, 30 churches and missions, 28 churches and two missions. We've lost one church, uh, Unity Baptist Church, closed its doors. Um, and uh, so uh, just thank you for the way that you support us in prayer. The most important thing you can do is to pray for for us and to be praying for an administrative assistant. I've been without for about eight months now, and um, it makes it pretty tough when I'm trying to do two jobs. Um, and uh, we just believe God has someone with the right skills uh, that we need. We do need someone that has skills in uh, QuickBooks. I just, uh, that's become the, the issue that has caused more, ish, more problems. So, um, and then thank you for your uh, participation in the events of the association that we sponsor, and thank you for your financial support, of course. Your financial support makes it possible, of course, for uh, to pay my salary uh, and the administrative assistant salary, but also to do some of the things that we do. Uh, we've been uh, started a home repair ministry, uh, and we've done several projects uh, uh, and uh, Aaron and Jerry Clack and uh, another one or two from your church have, have helped us in those projects. Uh, it's really a blessing to the community. And let me just tell you two examples of how uh, it makes a difference. Uh, I got a call from, um, from a lady, and she said uh, she needed a ramp. She had been trying for a year and a half to get a ramp built and couldn't find anybody to do it. And... Uh, the fire department actually gave her my, na my name and number. Now, how in the world did the fire department get my name and number? Well, it so happened that uh, uh, one of the uh, firemen uh, was in one of our churches. The pastor happened to be uh, talking to the fire chief and uh, mentioned that we were doing this, and he remembered it. And uh, so the lady contacted me. Uh, this lady had not been out of her double-wide home for a year and a half. She had several steps, and she could not navigate those. Um, and we built the ramp, a 40-foot ramp. Uh, it was the biggest, uh, the longest ramp we'd ever done. Uh, you have to go out uh, a foot for every inch of rise. In other words, she was 40 inches off the ground, so that's why we had to have a, a, a ramp that would extend out 40 feet. Um, and... Uh, we were short-handed that day, but we got the job done. It took us a lot longer than normal, but uh, we got the job done. And then a couple of weeks later, she just said, oh, by the way, we did get to go in and pray with her. And uh, she actually wound up in the hospital. Uh, she was uh, just deteriorating, deteriorating. 
because uh, she couldn't go to the, her doctor's appointments or rehab appointments because uh, she couldn't get out of her house. And she called me a couple of weeks later, and she said, I just want to say again, thank you for what you, you did for me. You, you, you changed my life because now I can get out. I can go to my doctor's appointments. I'm feeling much better, uh, and I'm on the mend. So you had a part in doing that because you, of your giving through the association. Your giving through the association, of course, also helps us with our, our, our mission trips that we take to Rogersville, Tennessee. And by the way, we'll be going in spring break this coming, uh, this coming year in March, the end of March. And then we'll also, in July, we'll be going back to Mexico. Uh, and then the, the, the food pantry, um, we uh, give out food every Tuesday from 9 until 11.30 when I'm in the office. Uh, and it makes it difficult when there's only one person. If I happen to be out, out of town or whatever, then we don't give out the food. Uh, and we have had a, uh, we've actually had to turn people away. Uh, our churches provide the food. They provide the volunteers to come and pack those foods, food in, in sacks and then put them in bins, plastic bins. And we give out one bin for every, every individual that comes and request food. Uh, it might be representing a family or it might be just one person. But we give out probably close to $100 worth of food every time we give out one of those bins. So the, the church prepares 10 bins for, to, ready for Tuesday morning. Uh, they're already ready for this coming Tuesday morning because I wasn't here last week. Uh, and so uh, when 10 bins are gone, we, we, don't have, we don't give out any more food. Uh, the, just to give you an example, in, in September, we gave out 38, that's almost 10 a, a Tuesday, uh, where we had been averaging about 17 a month. So it's almost double the demand for food. Uh, and then we gave out 26 in October, but we've already given out, just in in two weeks in November, because that's all we've given out so far, we've already given out 21. So, um, so it, it, I expect Tuesday we'll have we'll give out all 10 bins. So, uh, we need resources for that. We also give them a voucher that they can go to Curtis Foods and get a dozen eggs and a gallon of milk at no cost to them, but Curtis Foods bills us. In uh, the last two months, it was 300 over $300 and almost $300 the, 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 this last month. Um, so we need resources. Of course, we, we can always use the food, uh, and we can use volunteers. So uh, it's a great ministry. Uh, we're, we're one of the few that does it on a regular basis. Uh, so uh, we, we encourage them not to come but once a month. Uh, some would probably come every week if they could. Uh, we we'd frown on that uh, if we if we can help it. So anyway, those are the things that you're involved in because of your giving through the association. So thank you for that. First Peter, chapter one. I want to begin reading with verse one. Uh, verse uh, I'm sorry, verse uh, three. Paul is writing to the believers that are dispersed, uh, and likely many of them Jews that had come to faith in Christ, and they're scattered all over uh, uh, Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, 
And then he says, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, in this salvation that you have in Christ Jesus, and that's what he had talked about in verse 3, 4, and, and verse 5, in this you greatly rejoice, even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by fairest trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of, joy, of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. He, he ends up where he began. Blessed be the God who's made it possible for us to have an intimate personal relationship with God through his son Jesus Christ because he sent his only begotten son into the world to die on the cross to pay the penalty that you should pay for your sins, I should pay for my sins. Every person should pay for our sins, which is death and separation from God. But God loved us so much that he said, if you would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. If God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's how Peter begins this letter uh, to these that are dispersed all over uh, a wide area uh, and encouraging them to live in a relationship with the God of the universe because of what Jesus Christ had done. But he brings up, he said, you need to rejoice in the fact that you're born again, you're a child of God, but you're going to have some difficulties. Uh, the truth is, every Christian is going to experience trials and testings in their life. Now, in the, in the New Testament, there, there are several words that are used. It could be temptations. It could be trials. It could be testings. It could be afflictions. It can be distress. There are several words that basically have the same concept. Is every one of us is either been through a difficulty or in a difficulty or are going to go through a difficulty. That's just the nature of, of being a child of God, of living as, as, as human beings, although saved human beings, but living in this fallen world. We're going to have difficulties that will come our way. Now, some of them, some of them, you know, you can read, listen to the, or watch the news that, you know, are, are, are really pretty serious, are very serious. Uh, uh, going to work at a Walmart and gathering for your, your employee and having the manager start shooting you. I mean, that's pretty serious stuff, isn't it? Not expected, not, not planned from that the people that were affected by it, the employees that showed up that day, had no idea it was going to happen. Whether it's a flood, whether it's an earthquake, whether it's, a, it's those traumatic kinds of things that affect so many people, or it's the individual things that we go through, whether it's finding out you have cancer, or whether it's a, a death of a loved one, or a friend, or, or uh, losing your, your job, or 
there's just any number of, of difficulties that we as believers, we're not immune to going through those. Those who preach a, a, a supposedly gospel that says, you believe in Christ, you're not, you're not going to have any difficulties. It's a lie right out of the pit of hell. We are going to have difficulties. Every Christian. Now, in, in the scriptures, in the Bible, a trial or a testing is anything that builds or shows character. Anything that builds or shows character. It means that there's a purpose behind the testing and the purpose. And we're going to see that in just a little bit. In John 16, 33, Jesus said this, in the world, you have tribulations. I mean, he, he, didn't, he didn't sugarcoat it. He says, you're going to have tribulations. You're going to have difficulties. It's, it's just a fact of life for a child of God. And he says, the scripture also says, don't be surprised. In 1 Peter 4, 12, he says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. Now, I'm, I have to confess, sometimes I act that way. I act surprised when difficulties come. But the truth is, he says there, Beloved, do not be surprised when the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. It's not a strange thing. It's a part of the life that we live as followers of Jesus Christ. We're going to have difficulties come our way. Now, these periods of trial and testing are temporary. Look what he says in verse, in verse 6 of First of, uh, Peter 1. He says, In this you greatly, in this salvation, you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while. Now, for many, there are difficulties that happen all their life. If you, if you contract a disease, uh, uh, multiple sclerosis or muscular dystrophy or, or some disease like that that is long-lasting, in your life. It's not just for a little while as far as we're concerned. But in God's scheme of things, our life is as a vapor. Our life is, 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 a, is really a short period of time in God's economy. Uh, God has been from before the beginning and he will be uh, at the end if there ever is an end. He, 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 time is not the same to him. So for us... Because our lives are transitory, because our lives are, are as it were, short-lived, it is for a little while. Yes, it may last an entire lifetime. I think of Johnny uh, Tata Erickson, or Erickson Tata. Anyway, uh, uh, as a 15-year-old, diving into a, a, a lake, I think it was a lake, and hitting her head on a, uh, and breaking her, her neck, and she's been a, a quadriplegic since that time. And she's probably in her 60s, I suppose, now. Uh, she's lived all these years in a wheelchair. But praising God and giving God glory even in the midst of, of that. So these periods of trial and testing are, are, are temporary in, in God's economy, in God's plan. Uh, and then these periods of trial and testing are varied. Back in, again in verse 6, he says... In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Various is the, is the it, we, we would say multicolored. It comes in all different kinds of, uh, all, all forms. Uh, 
from a, a, a Johnny Erickson that has been in a wheelchair for tens of tens of years, uh, to an earthquake that that destroys so many people's homes and takes lives, or a tornado, or a hurricane to a person having cancer, to a person having some kind of illness, to a person uh, losing their job, to, to uh, uh, just the difficulties of, of having, uh, for us parents, having a wayward child, or, or a, young, a young couple uh, getting pregnant and losing that child. Uh, just on and on, we could, we could they're just trials and troubles just come in all kind of different forms. They're, there's a variety to them. There's no one that just fits. There's no one that, that would affect necessarily everybody other than the fact that we're all fallen human beings, but, but they're varied. And then he says, these periods of trial and testing sometimes are severe. In verse, in verse 7, he talked about uh, the fact that so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire. Now, uh, we don't normally think of gold as perishable, but in the, in the grand scheme of things, it is perishable, but it's tested by fire. And the, so the, the, the symbol of fire says that these, tri these periods of trial and testing can be very severe. I mean, cancer can take a person's life, heart attack disease, on and on, the, the earthquakes and tornadoes and all those things, they're very severe sometimes. Now, not all, all of us experience all of those at the same time, but we all have difficulties. We all have, have, have afflictions in our lives, and they come and go, uh, and, and sometimes they're more severe than others. But we're, we're going to go through those. That's just, a, that's just a reality. But they can be very severe. But I want to tell you, I have good news. These periods of trial and testings are purposeful. They have meaning. You say, well, Brother Tom, how in the world could something bad happen to you? How can it be meaningful? Because God has a plan. God has a purpose. Here, here's, here's some reasons to, to help you to see that they're purposeful. Personable. In ver going back to verse seven, he says that the that the, the, the these verse six these periods of trial and testing are going to distress you at very uh, in uh, with various trials, so that the proof of your faith, the proof of your faith, it actually is going to prove what kind of faith you have. Uh, I think I, I I have to go back to Job. You know the story of Job. And if you don't go and read the first several chapters of the book of Job, it's just a fascinating study in the way God works in, in, on this earth and as well as in heaven. Job, God had blessed him. And, he, and Job knew that God had blessed him. And he was rich and he had huge family. And, and he, was, uh, he was described as a righteous man. And... The scene switches from all this wonderful life that Job was living and all the possessions he had, the camels and the donkeys and the sheep and the houses and his family and children and grandchildren. And they had their, their sons and daughters had spouses, and their, their grandchildren, to a scene in heaven 
where Satan has to go and appear before God. And, he, and God asked him, he said, what have you been doing? He said, well, Satan said, well, I've been roaming around to and fro. And here's what God says to him. Have you noticed my servant Job, how he is righteous? And Satan said, yeah, I have. But he does it because you've put a hedge of protection around him. You've protected his, his family and you've protected his, his possessions and his houses and so forth. And so God says, you can, you can have permission to do whatever you want to do, but you can't take, do anything with his life or his health. And so the scene switches and tornado comes and destroys the, all the children were gathered at one place and, and they were destroyed. And, and uh, robbers came and took all of his possessions. He, he, he didn't have anything left, didn't have family left other than his wife. He didn't have possessions. He didn't have camels or donkeys or any of those things that, that symbolize wealth for him. And yet he says, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then this scene switches back to heaven. And Satan appears before, before God. It just says God's the supreme being. And he says, have you noticed my servant Job? He still, he still has his faith in me. He trusts me. He's still blameless. And Satan said, yeah. But he says, again, you've protected him. You, 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 you've, you've protected his health. He has good health. And so Satan said, I mean, God says to Satan, okay, you can do whatever you want to with his health, but you can't take his life. Scene switches back to earth, and he... Job develops a disease similar to what we might call lep leprosy, where his skin starts just rotting off, and he took the, the, the broken pieces of pottery to scrape his skin to try to get some relief. And his wife says to him, why don't you curse God and die? That's how bad it got. But Job, the proof of his faith was still real, and he says... I know that my Redeemer liveth, and one day I'll stand before him. The proof of his faith. And the, the good thing, the end of the story is, after all, some of Job's friends came and they tried to accuse him of sin in his life and it, it really didn't encourage him or, or help him in, in his process. And the, the number of, of, of chapters in Job were about his friends talking to him and trying to convince him that he was, if he had just confessed his sins, that God would restore him. Well, he didn't. And then ultimately, God says to, to Job, pray for your friends. And Job did. And God blessed him with more children, with more wealth than he had, almost twice as much wealth as he had before. Now, will that happen in every one of our situations? No, not likely. But the reality was that this was all a test of Job's faith. And you see, God permits things to happen in our life. Because we're children of God, because we're heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, nothing affects us except by the permission of God. No matter how bad it is. Now, if we make dumb mistakes, we may suffer the consequences of those. But as far as things that we can't explain, 
oftentimes they're, they're God using them in our life, the difficult things in our life, to try to test our faith, to see are we really going to trust him even in the midst of those. We can look at the disciples. Uh, they, God told them, uh, Jesus told them to go across the Sea of Galilee, and so they started and they encountered a great wind, and they were rowing here. These were fishermen, and they were afraid for their lives and thought they were going to drown, and Jesus was asleep in the boat. They went and waked him up and said, don't you care that we, we're going to perish? And he, he said, oh, ye of little faith. It, this was a test of their faith. Were they going to put their trust in him? And, of course, Jesus said, peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And it says they were on the other side of the, the lake. It's, it, it's, built, it's meant to test our faith, to prove the reality of our faith. It's meant to strengthen our faith. You know, we have muscles. I don't do a lot of exercises with my arms, and they've gotten flab, more flabby. But I do walk I'm a, I'm a, four days a week. I walk over two miles uh, four days a week. And so my leg muscles are pretty defined. Why? Because they, I've exercised them. Well, faith is like a muscle that needs to be exercised. God gives us the, the faith to believe him. Even Ephesians says uh, we're saved by, by, by grace through faith and not of ourselves. Even that faith is not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. And so God expects us to exercise the faith that we have to stretch it so that we can go from, from difficulty to the difficulty still depending upon him, looking to him, growing even in the midst of the difficulties to strengthen our faith. It's also used to, 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 to discipline us. In Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7. Well, let me read verse, verse 5. You have forgot, and you have forgotten, he was telling them what they had forgotten, the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons, and this is a quote from the Old Testament, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved of him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. Verse 7, it is for discipline that you endure. What are you enduring? The difficulties, the, the trials, the troubles. God deals with you as with sons, for what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Folks, praise God that he disciplines us. Why? Because he loves us. Because he, 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 he doesn't want us to continue in sin, to continue in rebellion and continue in, in resisting him. He wants us to be soft and pliable so that he can mold us and make us into all that he wants us to be. And he often uses circumstances and difficulties in our life to discipline us. To make us more of what he wants us to be. To conform us into the image of Jesus Christ. He, he, he permits these difficulties to come. But he also, uh, another purpose of, of, of these trials and testings is to humble us. In Deuteronomy, there's just an interesting passage. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. You shall remember, this is Moses talking to the children of Israel. You shall all remember all the way which the Lord your God has, has led you in the wilderness these 40 years. Now listen to this, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Does God still do that? I think he does. To test us to see what's in our heart. 
And then in, down in verse 16. In the wilderness he fed you manna which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do good to you in the end. And I, I just believe that's what God wants, wants to do in our lives. And then uh, in the New Testament, we see the same thing in the Apostle Paul's life. In, in sec, uh, 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 12. Um, in verse uh, 7, this is Paul speaking. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation... The fact that he, God had revealed himself to him. Revelation, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself. He had gotten a great revelation from God. This blinding light on the road to Damascus had, had radically changed him because he had had an encounter with the living God through his son Jesus Christ. So to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. Now interesting how... God, he says, God gave me a thorn in the flesh, but it was a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Whatever it was, we don't know what that thorn in the flesh is. There are all kinds of suppositions about it. I won't even go into those. Just to, just to know that it was a difficulty in the, in the Apostle Paul's life. And he said it was given to him as a, from a, a messenger from Satan in order to keep him from exalting himself. God wants to humble us and to have us to be humble, which is the opposite of exalting ourselves, to think of ourselves as God thinks of us and with humility, not thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to think or thinking any less of ourselves than what God says about us. God uses circumstances to humble us, to keep us, to be able to to, to not exalt ourselves, but to keep us humble before him. He also uses these circumstances and the difficulties in our lives to purify us. Going back to verse 7 where he talked about uh, fire that, uh, gold that was perishable even though, um, even though tested by fire. Now, a goldsmith, to get the purest gold, used to, uh, they use more modern equipment these days, but used to, they'd put it in a, like a cast iron part or pot or some kind, put fire underneath it and just keep increasing the fire hotter and hotter and hotter. And what happens? The impurities in the gold rise to the top. The goldsmith can skim off those impurities. And uh, I'm told that you do that until he can see his reflection in the gold. Well, that's kind of what God does to us. You see, he... He permits these trials and difficulties in our life to test us, to purify us, so that the, the impurities, have you noticed that sometimes in the midst of the difficulties, the, the things that we didn't know were in our heart rise to the surface? The, the, the ill feelings, the anger, the, the, uh, the, the things that are really not of God rise to the surface in those difficulties. What he's doing is pointing out those things in our lives so that we can confess them and we can agree with God about them and we can, we can be restored and become all that God wants us to become until all the impurities are gone and he can see his reflection in us. He can see Jesus in and through us. God uses these difficulties to purify us. He also uses these to qualify us to be able to 
to help others in their midst of their difficulty. Second Corinthians chapter three, uh, chapter one, verse three says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort." Listen to this now: who comforts us in all our afflictions, our difficulties, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in the affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. You see, God wants to comfort you in the midst of your difficulties. He wants to be the God of all comfort, it says, in order that you can comfort others in the midst of their difficulty. So he uses us, uses these afflictions in our lives to help us. So these these things, these difficulties, these these distresses, these tribulations, these testings, these trials, they're used, they're used of God in order to help us to become more of what he wants us to be. And these trials and testings should result in his praise, his honor, his glory. Look what it says in verse, uh, verse, uh, verse uh, 7. Uh, talking about the, goal being, uh, the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable even though tested by fire may be found to result, and listen now, in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, what God wants to do, even in the midst of the difficulties that you are going through or you will go through, He wants to reveal Jesus to you. He wants you to give Him honor and glory and praise even in the midst of that difficulty. Is that easy? No. That's hard. It's very difficult. To praise God in the midst of the difficulty. But that's what he desires of us. That's the purpose behind what, why, he, why he gives us and permits these trials and difficulties in our lives. So these trials and testings should result in his praise, his glory, his honor. And then these trials and testings, they're related to the future. Look what it says in verse 9. Obtaining as the outcome of your faith, the, the faith that was tested, the proof of your faith... The salvation of your souls. Ultimately, God is going to, he's going to save us from all of the presence of sin in this earth and in our lives. And he's going to make us holy and complete before him. But he's in the process of doing that right now. And he uses difficulties and trials and troubles. But it's related to the future. James 1 James 1 verse 12 mentions the same thing. He says, James 1 verse, verse 12, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. Perseveres means sticking it out. Perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So he expects us to persevere. And he said, blessed is that man because he's going to receive the crown of life one day. That God has promised for us. Now, what, what is, how do we get to this place? How do we get to a place that we can l- cooperate with God and not resist God in the midst of our trials and troubles and difficulties and let Him do in and through us what He wants to to prove our faith so that we can keep looking to Him like Job did. We can, we can keep having our faith in Him. We can be able to, to not necessarily overcome the difficulty, but in the midst of the difficulty, to be righteous and holy before God. Well, He gives us that, that, the, the secret of this victory in ver- and, and He gives it to us in verse 8. 
He says, and though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of joy. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love God with your whole being. Put your faith in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that what the whosoever what believeth in him. Faith, put our faith in Christ as Lord and Savior. Trusting him even in the midst of the difficulty. Even when the, the hardest thing you ever have gone through, you still can, can say, I know that my Redeemer liveth and one day I'll stand before him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into, were being about to be thrown into the fiery furnace because they wouldn't bow down and and worship the the image of the of the the king uh, of, of Babylon. And and they were brought and they said, "If you will bow down, we won't throw you into the fiery furnace." And they said, "Even though," said, "You can do what you want to with us, but even though, and and God is able to deliver us, but even if He doesn't." We're not going to bow down to you. We're going to serve God. We're going to put our faith in him. We're going to depend upon him. And lo and behold, they were thrown in. The people that threw them in were burned up. But the king looked down, evidently had a place where he could look down into the fiery furnace. And he says, behold, I say three men unhurt, unbound, and walking down there. And behold, the fourth man is like the son of God. And then they, he called and had them come out. The three come out. And he said there was not even any smoke on their clothes. God may do that, but he may not. He, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, even though he doesn't deliver us, we're still putting our trust in him. That's the kind of faith that he desires for us to have. To believe him and to rejoice. Rejoice, joy. That it's not happiness. It's not, it's not happiness depends on circumstances. Joy depends on a relationship with a heaven, with the God of the universe through his son Jesus Christ. That's the only way you'll have joy in this life. The real joy is in that personal relationship with the God of the universe through his son Jesus Christ. So if you love him, even though you haven't seen him, if you believe in him, even though you haven't seen him, and you rejoice with joy that's full of glory. You can be victorious even in the difficulties. James chapter 1 says it in just a little different way. Verse 2. James 1, 2. Consider it all joy. <laughs> My brethren, when you encounter serious trials. <laughs> I'm not there yet. I want to be. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and endurance has its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You see, God's in the business of permitting difficulties in our life to mold us and make us into the perfect, unblemished person that God wants us to be. I often have used an illustration. I'll have an orange in, in a cup up here, a clear cup. And I asked the question, I said, well, what happens when you squeeze an orange? Well, most people's response is, well, orange juice comes out. Well, I'll turn it upside down and I'll squeeze it. Well, I, I, 
it's a black liquid that comes out. And it's obvious it's not orange juice. So I asked the question again. I said, when you squeeze an orange, what comes out? Whatever's inside. When God puts the pressure on you, when God permits the trials and difficulties, what comes out? I have a good, had a good friend. She's gone on to be with the Lord, enjoying the, the glories of heaven, Jenny Heyman. She used to say, I want to be so filled with Jesus that when somebody bumps into me, that, that Jesus is going to slosh out on them. When God puts the pressure on, what comes out? Reality is whatever's on the inside. Does Jesus come out when God puts the pressure on you? Does his characteristics come out? It's a question only you can answer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the fact that you, you desire for us to have that intimate personal relationship with you. That even when the difficulties do come, Lord, when Satan throws, as, as it were, everything he can at us and trying to discourage us and to defeat us, and, but Lord, that we could be strong, we could remain strong in you, we could understand that these trials and difficulties that we face are, are purposeful, they're meaningful, and our faith would remain strong. Lord, that we would love you with a whole heart. We would believe in you with all of our, all of our strength. Lord, we'd be able to have that joy that passes, Lord, minds, mankind's understanding of what it is. It's not circumstances, but joy, deep down joy, because of who we are in Christ Jesus. God, uh, forgive us as believers of those times when you've put the pressure on us. Lord, Jesus hasn't come out. Our sinful self has come out. Forgive us, Lord, for not letting you mold us and make us, resisting your molding and making us, and letting those trials and testings help us to be strengthened in our faith to become more of what you desire for us to be. But Lord, uh, I want to pray for anyone here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that your Holy Spirit would convict them right now that they need a Savior, that you loved them so much that you gave your only begotten Son, that they could have a personal relationship with you and live with you eternally in heaven. So, Father, use this time of invitation now to accomplish your purpose. Lord, all of the invitation is, 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 Lord, you understand it, is for us to be obedient to the Holy Spirit's speaking to us today. So would we do that? For your name's sake, for your honor and your glory, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand and sing a hymn.